This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. CanDo is navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to a special Saturday edition of Coffeehouse Shots. I'm Kate Andrews and I'm joined by Svetlana Mornets, a staff writer at The Spectator and author of our weekly Ukraine newsletter, and Matt Downey, chief executive of Crisis, a national charity for people experiencing homelessness. So yesterday was the one-year anniversary of Vladimir Putin's latest invasion of Ukraine. Svetlana, you sent out a tweet yesterday morning saying that you remember where you were when you learned that the invasion was taking place, asking other people on Twitter where were they and what was their experience of learning about it. And there were some really interesting comments uh, below your tweet about where they were. But I'm hoping you can share with our listeners where you were. I think people want the answer to that question and and those details and what that experience was like. And that morning, I woke up very early, about 6 a.m., uh, because... I was abroad at the time, having holidays, and my flight was the next day. So I was worried about the news, thinking that they're going to close the sky because everybody was talking that Russia was going to invade. So I couldn't sleep, and I woke up early and just saw uh, the news on social media and messages from my friends that Ukraine is being bombed. And in that moment... I don't know even how, how to say what I felt. I thought that it was the end, how it looked like, because all the video published, there were just explosions, explosions, explosions everywhere. So I called my parents, they were awake, of course. And my mom was crying. I just said, I love you. You know, I'm I felt just hopeless. Because it's true. Health that, Lana, you've because become such a valuable member of the spectator team. I couldn't help uh, them. I was just been invaluable there, in terms of so coverage away. of Ukraine. Um, I'm curious now this, that you can look this back was over like the past year. Trying to find what areas do you think the UK's got the balance right? between the reality that they live here in London and between the war in Ukraine? Because... I feel like I'm constantly there because I'm writing about it, I'm living it <laughs> in one kind of way, even if I'm far away. And just trying to stay strong, I would say. You've become an integral part of the spectators' community, as well as our coverage of Ukraine. Tell me, over the past year, what have you made being in London, being in the UK? of Britain's response to what's happening in Ukraine? I'm amazed and very grateful that Britain was one of the first countries to help Ukraine with weapons. And till today, they are pursuing other other countries to do so. And I think it is incredible because, you know, I'm sure most of British people didn't know so much about Ukraine because before that invasion and didn't care, to be honest. <laughs> and I'm so glad that now they care and that now they are trying to help. And when Zelensky asks for more help for weapons, he usually goes first to London, first to Britain asking because he knows if Britain helps us, others will do so. Matt, the latest figures show that over 160,000 Ukrainian refugees are in the UK on a visa scheme following Russia's invasion. 
But since autumn last year, there has been what's been called a quiet phasing out of the scheme that has uh, enabled refugees to come here more easily than they otherwise might have, uh, called the Homes for Ukraine scheme. Can you tell me a bit about that? There are actually three schemes for Ukrainian refugees in the UK, and they're, they're roughly sort of split between um, the, the arrangements that families have when they already know somebody here and hosting schemes. And, you know, an enormous outpouring of, of people wanting to help people as hosts and large you know, numbers of people who have had really amazing experiences uh, through that scheme and people feeling that they have found safety and uh, an ability to rebuild their lives. I guess the thing that we've started to see, though, and we see this as a homelessness organisation, is that really without this being the policy intent, we're starting to see some of the actual implementation of those schemes fray at the seams. And there are now, uh, over the last year, there have been 4,000 Ukrainian households, 3,000 of which have young children who've had to go to their council and present as homeless. Um, And that's because... A lot of the details of the schemes have have started to come apart. So if a hosting arrangement has broken down, um, another one isn't arranged for that person. If somebody's come come over to stay with family and, you know, let's say they were staying on, on a relative's floor for a couple of weeks, that's not sustainable for a longer term period. And once that breaks down, where, where does somebody go? And and then there's the uncertainty about the, the sort of six month um, funding cut off and, and, and where families go after that point. And you also see that there are different applications of the scheme in different parts of the country. So some councils are being really generous and topping up some of these financial arrangements, others aren't. So it, it's all, it's all as Svetlana says, I think we've, we've got a lot to be proud of here, but there's there's a lot that's sort of beginning to break down. And I think once you start to see... 4,000 households becoming homeless out of that, that figure, we've got a problem and it needs some, it needs to be kind of better organised and gripped by central government to make sure that these, these things that, which are unintended failures are stopped and, and we can be fully proud of the whole scheme. Matt, as you and Svetlana have pointed out, Britain was one of the first countries in the world to support Ukraine. It was rather slow on the uptake when it came to inviting Ukrainians um, to find safety in this country, especially compared to other European countries. So the UK doesn't have the best track record when it comes to its refugee outreach to Ukraine. It's going to look quite bad for government at all different levels if this scheme starts to fall apart and we get more reports, we're already getting some, of Ukrainian refugees who don't have a roof over their head. Yes, and and I I think it's worth remembering that there was a dedicated minister for this, Lord Harrington, Richard Harrington. His tenure as minister ended in September and he hasn't had a successor. And that's important and it's not not the the sort of symbolism of it, it is the practical arrangements of what, what happens to iron out the problems with the scheme. So to give you just a couple of examples... So what what we hear a lot is that is that some of the hosting schemes break down because the funding available isn't available for the right thing. So let's say that you normally take in a lodger to your home and you're you've had somebody who you've been hosting and you want to change that into a, a lodging arrangement, the funding won't allow you to do that and therefore the Ukrainian family has to go. Or uh, or um 
for example, we've we've seen people who are are homeless and they're starting to entertain the idea of going back to the Ukraine because they can't find a roof over their head. And there's, I was talking to someone the other day who's from Kherson and Svetlana. You'll tell me if I pronounced that in the right way. <laughs> I probably didn't. But uh, she she's saying she really can't face going back with her son because that that city is being bombed on a daily basis. But in this country, she simply has no chance of meeting the the levels of rent that you have to pay, particularly in, in more expensive parts of the country. And we do know that 58% of refugees that came over had no savings when they did come. And if, you, if, you, if, if you're like anybody else, you're trying to rent, your potential landlord wants, he wants to rent in advance, he wants a deposit, etc., etc. And if you haven't got it, um, you've got no chance of renting. So these, these are all technical problems. They're not a problem of intent. And you know, whilst there are um, much worse arrangements for other types of, of refugee arrangements for Afghans, Syrians and others, this is meant to be something we're totally proud of. And I think it could be. We just need to get the details right. Svitlana, in terms of other kinds of funding that we have to look at, this week we had an announcement from Chancellor Jeremy Hunt, the advanced economies and their finance ministers were meeting in India at the G20 meeting and they agreed uh, collectively to finance Ukraine to the tune of $39 billion. Politicians in the UK are always keen to make clear that they're willing to support Ukraine financially and with weaponry, but I know you're frustrated that not all of Ukraine's calls have been answered yet. Yes, also I would like to point out that Ukraine spends 39 billion per year just for our army. And we are not talking about paying salaries, paying pensions, supporting schools and all the other stuff. And uh, yes, Ukrainians are keep asking for more tanks. At least we are receiving now some. But the problem is that every country gives gives us like two tanks, ten tanks. Uh, some of them will arrive in one month. Some of them will arrive in one year. But the war has to be fought now. And we don't want our soldiers to be stopping the Russian army with their bare hands. And also... Uh, the main like question right now, if Ukraine will be provided with fighter jets, because many countries actually said that they are ready to send us them, like Britain, uh, Poland, Netherlands, uh, Spain, but all of them told that they don't want to be first. So someone has to be first, and who is gonna, who is gonna be? Because US also said we are gonna support if someone sends. <laughs> so nobody wants to take the first step, and how long we are gonna wait, and how many. Ukrainians will die till they just start discussing even that. Domestically, Matt, what more can the UK be doing right now to support the Ukrainians who are here? The, the first thing I think it, uh, the government needs to do is just be just almost almost sort of start again with the clarity of what the what the, the schemes are for. And instead of having three different schemes, have one, have much clearer, simpler rules around the finances that are available and particularly allow payments for things that really need to be paid for because there are there are limitations on things that really are practically very necessary for people and then the other thing i'd say is is that much like some of the other refugee and settlement arrangements once people are here there's very little actual support for the things you then need to get on with your life so if english isn't your first language how do you get a job how is it that you're going to apply for universal credit Um, what does kind of 
integration and resettlement really look like for you and your children when you don't know the systems and 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 it's nobody's job to help you navigate them and because if all we're doing and we have seen this in in some of the responses from the government on this issue is saying don't worry if people do become homeless then their local council has a duty to help them that's not good enough i mean first and foremost it's not like housing officers are sitting around with nothing else to do there are people who are completely overwhelmed in in local councils and secondly it shouldn't be left to sort of that that kind of point of desperation for you to think about you know what what is it i, I need to achieve a, a really good integration in this country so i think it's sort of a bit of a step back and and say yeah this we we had we had a a, a a start that was a bit shaky but we can we can make this into something which is is really something to be proud of and we've seen we brought together a whole range of different members of parliament on this issue you know everyone from priti patel to caroline lucas agrees that this is something that um can and should be done to improve the scheme for ukrainians and really as a model for how refugee resettlement can work in general so that we we can get good at this and rather than just um wait for failure and have to pick up the pieces and svetlana what more do you think the uk can be doing to help ukrainians abroad To help Ukrainians abroad, you have to help us to end the war and then they will just go back home to their families, to their houses, to their normal lives. That's simple. Svetlana and Matt, thanks for joining me.